I don't know if you had a chance to like look up anything, but I just wanted to tell you an overview of what the book is about. Um, So basically it just details the circumstances in life that God can use to shape spiritual leaders. Um, He starts off with, um, in the first section of the book, he talks about before great leadership. (laughs) Is that your dog? That's my mother-in-law. Oh. (laughs) And that's going to be the intro to the podcast. Um, he starts off in the first section of the book detailing the lives of four um, great leadership examples in the Bible. So Moses, Paul, David, and Jesus. And then he dedicates a chapter to each of these four lives detailing how God shaped each of them for the leadership positions into which each one was placed. Um and yeah, so that's pretty much what it's about. Uh, I'm just going to ask you like certain questions, but again, just going off of like whatever, wherever the conversation leads us. Um, so I kind of wanted to start in prayer, if that's okay with you. Well, you know, that's always good. Let's okay. do that. All right, cool. So Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are, God, and we thank you that you are a good God. And Lord, I just thank you um, for this opportunity um, to interview Jordan. And Lord, I just pray that it refreshes not only me, but also Jordan. Um, But Lord, I just pray that I um, gain a sense of wisdom, God. Lord, I pray that um, whatever Jordan pours into this interview, God, that um, I would be able to learn from it and take it and use it um, as I continue on my journey through leadership and my daily walk with you, God. So we thank you. We honor you. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So a couple of just like basic things. Uh, How old are you? We really got to ask that question, man. I do. Really? <laughs> Fine. Yeah, I am uh, a very young and spry 39 years old. Thank you very much. Um, you. And what is your current position right now? I'm the director of the Urban Renewal Center, a nonprofit based in Norfolk, Virginia. And what do you, what does that position entail? Uh, it entails uh Overseeing uh, the community outreach, the engagement, the coalition, um, and the education uh, of telling the story of the city of Norfolk, uh, all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, in hopes that uh, history does not repeat itself. That's awesome. Um, All right. So going into that, um, McNeil talks about um, six different... I guess you could call them, um, I I think he categorizes them as subplots, Um, but he talks about culture, um, call, community, communion, and conflict. 
Uh, well, that's the fifth one. There's six one commonplace. Um, so he talks about these six different um, topics and how these topics play a part in developing leadership. Um, and so for culture, uh, he points out that um, there's kind of three tasks, knowing where he comes from, the leader, knowing where you stand, knowing where um, that person wants to go and takes others with them. Um, and this includes like, you know, your family, your friends, like who you're around um, and just knowing your cultural environment. Um, so with that and being and the culture that we are in, and I feel like culture probably plays a, a big part in your position. How do you feel like that has shaped you as a leader? And how do you go about um, like using culture to make certain decisions in your leadership position? Um, culture is very heavy in the understanding of what you're leading and more importantly, why you're leading it. Uh, if you don't believe in something, that is enwrapped in a culture, then you want nothing to do with it. Uh, so there must be something in it that really continues to guide you. It must have your heart and you must really, <laughs> you must really feel like it's worth everything that's with it. Uh, you know, in, in my current situation, there's a lot of headache involved. Uh, there's headache involved in making sure that certain things happen. Uh, for example, right now we are in the process of um, making sure that uh, a homeless shelter uh, can continue uh, in this winter, in these cold winter months. And there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot that goes into that with the city. There's a lot that goes into that now with the, partner, uh, the Department of Health because of COVID. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that, simply just making sure that we have all of the necessary materials and resources and 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 people. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not very easy sometimes to get folk to volunteer and do overnight shifts. Yeah. You know, it's just it's really, really small things, sometimes really menial, really trivial, but every little thing contributes to the understanding of what makes it a success. And all of that success, of course, is wrapped up in the culture. If you can produce a healthy culture and you can make that happen. And so you really have to put your focus and your energies into understanding that if the culture is something that people want to be a part of, um, then you probably have a better shot at making yeah. it the success that you know it's supposed to be, that it's called a purpose to. Yeah, that's good. Um, how do you feel like your family or even circumstances in your early life, how do you feel like that shaped you as a leader? Hmm. Wow, uh, good question. Um, I feel like the the culture of my upbringing is something that I – uh, I have no doubt I would not be as successful as I am uh, had I not gone through it, had I not experienced it. Um, from the environment of my home, the upbringing of my parents, uh, even my brother, uh, my cousins, um, and, you know, uh, just uh, the school that I went to, uh, private school in little old Riverdale, Georgia, you know, and uh, just uh, it was it was great for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, this is Black History Month today. And I always love celebrating black excellence. I don't overemphasize it, but it is a part of what made me me uh, because I'm realizing now that a lot of people didn't get that opportunity to have our skin color uh, to be able to be a part of that. But, you know, I had uh, an excellent surrounding of individuals and, and especially black men. Um, you know, there were teachers in our school and one of them was actually even a lawyer. 
uh, that were, were men. And I'm realizing that a lot of people didn't see that in their upbringing. You know, if they did, it's not a shot, but they were probably a PE teacher um, or maybe a chef or something like that. And I'm sure they served their purpose, but also it diminishes the, uh, the dynamics of the dimensions in which somebody can see themselves. You can't just see yourself as a PE teacher, you know, right. um, but uh, uh, kind of shaping that in the, in the biblical frame in the culture. Um, I believe that our faith obviously plays a huge, huge part in the shaping of our culture and our upbringing. And um, I got to say, I was blessed. Um, I was very blessed because I recognized that a lot of people don't have uh, parents that are pastors uh, and, and things of that nature. And, and my daddy was a good one. And the reason why he was a good one was because I saw that he was a human working through and exercising his faith in the process. You got to hear a cuss word every now and again. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, you got to really witness him uh, express his emotion, just like Jesus did. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, he was angry. He was sad. He was happy. He was ridiculous. He's still ridiculous. Um, you know, uh, just all of those great things. But at the same time, he was a father and he loved me. Um, and I know that he did the best that he could. And I recognize uh, some of the places where he and my mom both, um, you know, uh, may not have had it all together, maybe kind of struggled in their humanity while they raised us. Uh, but it didn't change the fact that they still gave us ample opportunity, my brother and I, to make sure that we were going to make the most out of who we were. Uh, even if we made mistakes and that they were going to love us uh, in spite of us and 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 because of um, what they knew we could be. And so, you know, culture and upbringing is, is, is very, very important. I think it's very necessary. Um, and even to that point, I know I don't want to drag this one on too long, but just being in a fostered culture, um, that is good, whether it's in your church or, uh, you know, even coming up in a YMCA or even in a school, um, yeah. you know, it, it always helps to give you an opportunity. You just never know exactly where God's going to put you mm-hmm. and what he's going to do with um, just those opportunities uh, that we have. So, yeah, yeah. I think that um, culture kind of goes, plays a part in the community conversation that we'll talk about later too. Um, but something that I actually wanted to expound on that you said um, is, you know, it is black history month and, you know, you talk about, uh, black excellence. And so I wanted to ask you, what are some challenges, if any, and I'm sure you've had some challenges, um, you know, within ministry as an African-American male, um, but also even experiences maybe outside of ministry that you've experienced or have had to overcome in a leadership position. Um, So can you kind of expound on some of those maybe challenges and how you were able to overcome those challenges? Sure. I can start as, uh, as, as, as late as last week. (laughs) Um, You know, I've, I've had the honor and the pleasure of facilitating this, uh, this, this homeless shelter. And I'll say that many times I am reminded that certain individuals, and it may not even be intentional, um, really, unfortunately, diminish the power of a position. And I can care less about power. So it doesn't bother me as much as it probably would certain people. But uh, for example, uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact, um, we have a lot of volunteers that come from different churches. 
and they may not be aware of who I am at the time, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, but one of them specifically uh, was running around, and I can just tell she was frantic. It was fine, uh, sweet little white lady, and <laughs> she she uh, she comes up to myself, and I'm standing next to one of our guests because that's what we call them. Uh, we believe in hospitality and serving them because they are amazing regular people, just like everybody else who have either fallen on hard times or have some kind, some type of disposition. Uh, but she came up to both of us and she had these two to go things. We keep them all separate because that's how we serve the people. And she gives one to to the guest. And then she turns and she asks me, she's like, well, have you gotten yours yet? Uh, and I was like, I, I didn't even need to ask, what do you mean? I automatically knew that she just assumed that I was a guest because I was there. Um, and to be honest with you, I think all but except for maybe five people who are staying with us currently, uh, they have our complexion, they have our skin color. And so, you know, it's, it's easy to think that that's what she would detect. Um, and of course, you know, I, I gently and politely uh, corrected her and let her know that I was not a guest. And, you know, I feel bad because <laughs> she, yeah, she, she, it was, it was one of them real good, awkward moments, you know, the kind yeah. of stuff that you would see on like a, a sitcom, uh, but it just wasn't funny for her. Uh, but yeah, you know, I just, on a micro level, that is one of the many microaggressions uh, in some cases, macroaggressions. Um, but you know, uh, since, since I was a kid really, um, you know, I've, I've, I've always been made to feel that I am inadequate. Um, I've always been made to feel that uh, I am not substantive enough in my field, even if I now have a master's degree in it, uh, even if I work on a doctorate in it, um, and that uh, no matter what I do, no matter what I accomplish, there are certain people that are going to see it uh, as, as as not enough, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that there's always going to be a ceiling. Now, the beautiful part about that is I've walked in a faith that is ensured that I don't have that ceiling. And because right. of that, God has continued to bless me. Yeah. And so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been awesome uh, to kind of witness that and to walk through it and just to understand that we do walk by faith and not by sight Yeah. Uh, because had I just, and also not by sight, but clearly in this conversation, not by sound as well, because had I taken in those words oh so long ago and just continued to operate in those words, I mean, uh, candid moment. I used to be a homeless person. That's one of the reasons why I have such a heart for the homeless. Yeah. I lived in my car for four months, um, which is not nearly the amount of time that some of these people have been on the streets, but it was enough for me yeah. uh, to know that, you know, for what it was worth, um, I had to appreciate and really count my blessings and make sure that I could work hard uh, because I had developed a major heart and the empathy to help uh, homeless people. Even when I wasn't doing this, I was always helping homeless people. Um, and so, you know, all, all that to say, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a gathering point for me to just not listen to that and just continue to listen to my heart and to listen to what God is telling me and also to listen to my encouragements and remember that our word is divinely inspired and what it says about us is a lot better, <laughs> no matter yeah. what happens, um, then, then, then all this, anytime you get a negative report, it's, it's not from God. Yeah. If you get a stern report, if you get a disciplinary report, that can be from God. But anything right. that is telling you that you're not worth it, it's not worth listening to. And so yeah. you just have to work really hard to tune that out. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, 
you know, you talk about finding your confidence and your boldness and declaring, you know, what God's word says over us. You know, his word says we are worth it. You know, we are beautifully and wonderfully, wonderfully made in his image. And so, you know, that's so encouraging for someone, whoever is going to listen to this, um, to know that despite what culture says, despite what people say, no matter who you encounter, you can have confidence and boldness and know that your heavenly father knows that you are worth it and you are called and you are called for a purpose. So um, that's amazing. And, you know, something kind of goes back to the point um, that you were talking about with your father. One of the quotes that I pulled out from the text says, leaders of great legacy look back over their lives and see that in every ministry assignment, God was preparing them for the next. Mm -hmm. And so I think just even with what you were saying, uh, you know, just leaving that legacy, looking back and knowing that what you went through prepared you for where you are now, but also for where God is taking you. Exactly. Um, and so going into um, the next point, um, just talking about call and, you know, God calls leaders, God calls us. Um, and so um, what did you answer the call to do? Like what, what have you felt like God has called you to? I know you're working, you know, you kind of touched on, you know, homeless people and helping them has always been on your heart. And, but yeah, can you kind of expound on that a little bit? Wow. Uh, yeah, I can. Um, God is, he's called me to fulfill, um, uh, my assignment in the great commission. Uh, when I wake up every morning, my, my first real thought is, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then from there, I got to figure out exactly how that's supposed to take place. Uh, and, and it can be vague and it can be, it can feel crazy and it can feel alarming and all over the place. Um, but I'm gonna tell you what, and this is, you know, always the eye to eye moment for me, inspired to inspire for me. It's always been wrapped in some form of pain. It's always mm -hmm. been wrapped in some form of, of really like just angst and acne and experience, you know, uh, I, I would not have the heart for the homeless that I did had I not been homeless. Um, I would not have the heart for social justice that I do had I not been called the N-word, had I not been racially profiled, had I not been uh, deemed unfit to serve in certain positions because of the color of my skin. Um, I would not have the heart for God's word in my life had I not seen that certain individuals uh, take it out of context or out of character misuse it, abuse it, um, or just certain individuals really struggling, fighting to find the truth, uh, fighting through their frustration, um, and anything that comes with that. It's, it's really, really, uh, it's, it's the irony of inspiration. It's why we say redefine all the time. Um, because most people would think you, you know, you look at, you know, your inspiring speaker, or you look at that commercial where, you know, and just, uh, you fill in the blank that musician that you, you name it. And they're so great at their craft that you think that that would just be the inspiration of all inspirations, but it's not, you know, cause you probably don't know their story. You don't know the pain that they went through the birthing pains and the process of everything that they endured. My favorite stories about athletes are all those 
who lived in a trailer or lived on the street or were, were even homeless, you know, and then well, who's the one Jacobs running back for um, the the Raiders now that, that played football at Alabama. You know, I, I can't stand Alabama, but I loved him, <laughs> you know, yeah. because I heard his story and I was like, yo, dude is righteous. Um, and then he takes care of his people. Bam out of bio, you know, just I, I, I could list a lot of different names of people, you know, and. And it's great to have that other story where you just have the the feel good beginning that leads to the feel good ending. But we both know that that's not always how life works. Right. And what I'm also noticing, and this is a real uh, inspiration and culture piece as well, is that a lot of people in our culture, and at first I wanted to say that it was like a millennial thing or a Gen Zer, but it's not. <laughs> it's everyone. It's even boomers now. Um, you know, a lot of people don't don't understand the process of metabolizing uh, the issues of life anymore. And they don't know how to respond to certain things. They don't know how to react to certain things. And so what we see now is we see a lot of people who are willing to, and in some cases simply choose to operate in hope and despair, uh, which is, which is really, really sad to me because last time I checked, you know, our word says that we are called to have life and life to the full. Right. It is the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. Uh, and and the 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 crazy and the sad part about it is, I mean, we can we can talk about um, the issue of suicide, which is horrible, which mm -hmm. is a really sad issue that must be addressed. But I see people who walk around in this life now who have committed a suicide while breathing, and are really just succumbing to the issues of life and refusing, refusing to find the inspiration, refusing to find the fight, refusing to find whatever it is that can keep them moving on a daily basis. You know, and um, I think that's one of the things that really fires me up even more now. It is yeah. a main source of inspiration for me because that's not the life that God designed for them. Right. And we have to do whatever we can to help them to understand exactly what is what it's really all about. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, I love, again, that you touch on the point that, you know, we never know what somebody is walking through, you know, and I think as believers, you know, we should be helping lead people to understand that they have a purpose beyond what their experience in life. Like God calls, you know, how many times in the Bible do we see him call so many people that we would deem mm. as unfit? Ma'am, you know? come on now. Man, so uh um, preaching now. I think that's so powerful. And that kind of leads me into my next question of one, how long have you been in ministry? And two, how has your understanding of your call changed over time? Uh, 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 why you gotta ask that? Come on, man. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, okay. Um if we're <laughs> if we're dealing with technicals, I guess uh I got my very first job in ministry. Never forget the day because it was a hilarious, hilarious story, boy. <laughs> um, pretty sure October the 23rd, 2003. Uh, I was always helping out uh, with the youth at my pop's old church. And the youth leader at the time was like, hey, uh, how would you like to help out a little bit more and do some of this and some of that? And I was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. That was the conversation. Uh, later on that afternoon, when I came to the meeting, there he was like, "Hey guys, here's your new youth leader." And I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" Um, 
how, what, who, uh, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was pretty much it. It was an eight year position. Um, and, 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 and for what it's worth, uh, you know, I've had a lot of other positions that, uh, were not, uh, vocational. I didn't, um, but I've, I've done a lot in ministry and a lot in leadership in ministry. Um, and what's happened is, uh, I've just had the, the process of navigating and, and building on what happens when you say yes to God. Uh, and you know, this, that the second part to that question, good grief. Um, you know, what, what I'm realizing is that, uh, seriously, um, you know, God, God helps you to realize exactly how capable you are by giving you stuff that you never, ever thought that you would have to handle or ever thought you would be capable of handling. And so I think that is, uh, the real process, you know, it was, uh, it was Peter walking on water, you know, uh, he, he called for it and it happened. That was great. And then all of a sudden he looked down at me. He, he realized what he was doing and he didn't think he was capable of doing it, but he really was capable of doing it. So, you know, you have to, you have to remember that. And it was to the point that he really forgot, you know, it was much later after Jesus was resurrected. We got to remember that Peter was out there fishing and then they said, Oh, look, it's Jesus. He was like, yo, word. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he puts all his stuff on and then he swims to shore. And I'm like, bro, this is Jesus. And you now realize he's alive. Why didn't you do what you did when you had faith before, because your faith has to have been reignited now. Uh, so I, I just kind of think about it. That was just always a reminder that God is telling us we can do so much more than we're capable of. Yeah. That is the very definition of faith and really being able to go from strength to strength and glory to glory. Um, and also just being humble enough to continue to say yes to God and recognizing that without him, we do none of this. Right. But with him, we can do it all. And you, of course, you know, that's Paul. That's the irony of Paul telling everybody that while he's in prison. Prison, yeah. Philippians 4.13. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't know, ministry and the continued advancement of ministry. I'll put it to you this way. Um, it, it sounds old-fashioned and it's cliche, but I don't care. He must increase. I must decrease. Yeah, that's so good. And the more that I know, the more knowledge that I get, the more wisdom that I get, the more I realize I know nothing at all and that I have yeah. to depend on him for every divine source of strength, intelligence, wisdom, you name it. And in those moments where I utilize that, those are the moments where he showed up and done the most for me. And then all the glory and the credit grows to him. That's it's awesome. kind of protocol. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, like something that is so amazing about God, something that I've seen through and through in my own life is that he truly does make it so that he receives the glory. <laughs> you know, it's like truly I could not have done it without him. You know, without his peace, without his strength. Um, so I think that's so, so true. Um, I've seen it in my own life and kind of switching gears, going into community. Mm -hmm. um, leaders are not shaped in isolation. You know, that's something that McNeil talks about, um, but they're shaped in and by community. Um, you know, the heart of a leader is developed by his involvement with other lives. Um, this can shape. This can take shape in many different venues within leaders' lives. We talked about family, friends, um, even church family. Um, so can you talk about 
community a little bit um, and how that has helped shape you. And also with that, um, you know, because something that I, I love that McNeil talks about is that and, you know, kind of the whole premise overall um, kind of concept that he talks about is that spiritual leaders need to focus on their own spiritual health um, and to stop neglecting their own health for the sake of helping others. So, you know, you have community, right? But I feel like you have to make sure that your soul, that your heart and is in a good place before you can impart and make a difference in your community and other people's lives. But kind of just talk about that, you know, talk about community and how that has helped you and being a part of a community and how, how it's helped shape you. But also talk about community from the standpoint of, you know, doing the inner work so that way you can go out and be a difference in the community. Okay. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. I, okay. can do that. I can do that. Matter of fact, I already, I already got it. I got it. I got that. I got that. Um, well, first and foremost, uh, everything about our lives is two things. Uh, experiential and existential. Uh, you have to exist in it. You have to experience it. If not, it's not your life. Hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people wear masks when it comes to stuff like that because they feel like their life is not enriched with the experience or the existence that they desire. A lot of those folks don't know Jesus and then even sadder, some of those folks do know Jesus and still have found themselves in that predicament. Um, but I believe that community is one of the biggest and greatest pieces that we can utilize uh, that, that, that can produce the greatness within us, uh, which of course is why I really can't stand our culture today <laughs> because it's very uh, self monolith type deal. Um, it's very uh, by your own bootstraps and your bootstraps alone, nobody else. Um, it's very uh, self-made. It's very, uh, hyper-independent, it's very individualistic, it's very, you name it. Um, everyone's fighting to find an identity and they're afraid that if they buy into the process of being raised in, in a culture, in an environment of people, of systems and ideologies and schools of thought and methodology, that they didn't create it themselves. And then it's not worth it because you just configure yourself a robot. Well, first of all, ironically enough, most people will find themselves belonging to a group for that exact same reason. But um, the importance of community, though, I think it's lost on the the, the current culture. Uh, and, you know, I'm, 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 I know I'm beating a dead horse as I say this, but uh, I think that there's real importance in that because we forsake the process of community. And then we find ourselves isolated and not knowing where to go for help and assistance. And so it's, it's double necessary uh, because without that, what do you do? Um, you sit there and you just kind of take in your own thoughts and we all have our own securities and, and, that, and, and inadequacies and, and, and they really wreck us and they mess us up. And then by the time that we get help, there's so much, damage has been done. It's not like it's reversible, but it takes so much longer for us to get to a place of, of health and healthiness. If we decided to invest in community off the jump, I think that we would see an exponential increase in our confidence, 
um, in our understanding and our strength and our faith if we're in the right community. Yeah. Um, and that's also very, very important as well. And another thing about community is uh, we have to appreciate the the dynamics and the diversity of community, mm-hmm. um, even if that community is something that we don't always agree with. I mean, we look in the Bible and I am officially done with people who really just think that it's it's their way or the highway every time I read the Bible, <laughs> because there's so many different instances where we get to see people being at each other's throats. I mean, we talk about the 12. I know we've talked about that so many times. I beat a dead horse, but yeah. you know, Matthew gets along with virtually nobody. Peter really can't stand John, you know, it's just right. all. And, and for all these different reasons, you know, John's all lovey dovey and Peter's all about swinging a sword. Um, you know, and, and of course, you know, we don't need to even need to talk about Judas. Um, but the big piece about that is their community, you know, and the narrative of community with them walking with Jesus, more importantly, uh, was the one thing that turned them into the powerhouse team that was able to begin and build and grow God's church. Yeah. And you just have to, you just have to remember that and, and everything that comes along with it. And if people really don't think about it that way, and they think about, you know, just, I don't know, I don't even know what to call it. What, what, I'd almost ask, what would you call it? Like just TikTokology or YouTubeology <laughs> where, you know, people start these pages yeah. and, and they end up doing great, you know, and that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. But then also these same people or these same famous people who have made it and they have this sense of success, they're successful, but what really determines success especially right. when a lot of them um, either lose it and they go on these binges or they commit suicide or just all of these other sad things that would, that would intimate to us that their life was not as great as they made it out to be. Mm-hmm. It's all because I have no, I, I have no, no, in, in my heart of hearts, I have no doubt in my mind that it's because they don't have true community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You and, know, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just wanted to answer your other question as well. I'm sorry. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. That was, that was a bit of a <laughs> yeah. But no, actually, I think that it, it's perfect, though, um, because to that extent, then you kind of <laughs> you flip it on its head and um, you develop what I like to call um, uh, airplane oxygen mask theology, uh, which really isn't a theology at all. But whatever It's basically, you know, remember how they tell you in the in the plane when you're getting ready to take off. Uh, in the event of turbulence and blah, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah. these oxygen masks will drop. Yeah. And but what they tell you what to do is that you, you have to put on your own mask first before you can help anybody else with theirs. Yeah. To make wow. sure that you have that oxygen supply, you know. And uh, so many of us are not self-aware of the fact that we may not have an oxygen mask on. Mm. And we're out here trying to do this and be that to everybody else. We're making sure that they are filled with so much oxygen, so much just oxygen rich, ooh, just ooh, oxygen. And we're suffocating. And, wow. you know, it's it's literally killing Christians. You know, it's figuratively killing Christians. Mm-hmm. What do we know about, you know, servant culture, servant leadership in a lot of churches? And no church 
and I mean no church <laughs> is 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 exempt from this. Yeah. Um, you know, people go in there, their hearts are on fire. They want to do this, that, and the other. They serve, serve, serve. And they go, go, go. And then they build, 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 and they connect, connect, connect. And they communicate and community, community, community. And they do it until they are sick in the face. Yeah. And then they get burned out on church. Wow. And if they have the wrong encounter with the leader on top of that, then they get burned out on religion and they get burnt, burned out on the faith. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things is because they don't simply take the time to put on, and this, this, this is, this is heavy, but this is what it is. They don't take the time to put on the oxygen mask of no. Wow. That's good. That's wisdom right there. Yeah. You have to be able to do that. You have to. But determine for yourself exactly where your boundaries are. Yeah. Especially as a leader. Uh, determine exactly where you are as in, in the state of health and make sure that it's comprehensive. You know, you got to take care of you, your body. Uh, you have to take care of you, your mind. You have to take care of you, your spirit. If any one of those is lacking, then honestly, you need to step away from leadership. There's no use in trying to operate at a maximum strength when you're not addressing your weakest link. Yeah. And that's self-awareness one-on-one. And that self-awareness is wrapped in the understanding of that oxygen mask. No, you have to be able to say, hey, I can only take on so much. Or, hey, I have to be able to step away at this particular point in time. If I don't do that, then, of course, you know, there is, you know, what our pastor says, you know, there are certain times where, where kings go to war. Like, you have to be in it. Yeah. It's just that season. <clears throat> things have to get done. Uh, but... If that is not the case, then we should take a lot of time being self-aware, being self-reflective and doing a lot of self-evaluation, because if we're not our best for others, then we might as well not be doing that. Wow. That's so good, JB. That's, I mean, honestly, you went into one of the quotes that I was going to say had to do with burnout and you literally talked about what I was going to try to segue into. So I just want to go back to kind of what you were talking about with the disciples. And um, it just made me think of Moses. You know, sometimes I think we get so caught up on the one, right? The big guy, you know, we talk about Moses, we talk about David. But when you look at Moses, he had Aaron, right? He had um, uh Miriam around him. And so when you think about the people that who are around him, surrounding him, he, um, they helped shape him and his leadership um, in Exodus. So, you know, again, that just goes back to community and um, those people helped guide him and help, um, shape him as a leader and obviously with his relationship with God and his obedience and um, so forth. But going back to the burnout point, the quote that I was actually going to say was one of the warning signals of burnout is a growing resentment of the demands being placed on the leader. Um, that was um, the quote that I had pulled from McNeil's text. And so you expounded on burnout. And again, just you know, what I gather from it, and I've heard it time and time again, is, you know, you have to put back in yourself, especially when you're constantly pouring into other people, 
you have to take time to refresh yourself, um, to pour back into you. So that way you are um, healthy to go out, um, to go back out and to do the great work um, for the Lord, which goes into communion, um, right? So communion is about the relationship with the one doing the heart shaping. Um, communion helps the leader's heart be as one with God's heart. Um, and spiritual leadership depends on a solid relationship with God. And so Again, another quote that I pulled out from McNeil's um, text says, Without Sabbath, our souls lose touch with our true destiny. Life becomes too common and profane. And so I kind of wanted you to just talk about Sabbath for those of um, for those people who don't know what Sabbath is or, um, you know, yeah, who don't know, believers, non-believers. Can you talk about what that is and what does your Sabbath look like? And I think going into Sabbath, that plays, you know, a huge role, I think. Um, and I would love to know your thoughts, JB, on kind of that whole topic of what we're talking about, burnout and refreshment. Um, so can you just expound on Sabbath a little bit and what that looks like for you? Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Yeah. Did it oh, free? Okay. okay. Your your face is still frozen, but I can hear you. <laughs> okay, good. Good. I wasn't sure. I was like, I was like, if that freezes, then then my voice goes next. Hopefully not. <laughs> I know. Um, right. Yes, yeah, Sabbath. Um and and also the word communion. Uh, you know, which if if you look at it as technically with union, you know, it's it's yeah. a union with with God. Uh in in the old testament, it's 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 very clear to us that the sabbath is a time that is specifically set apart and it says for rest but if you look at the depths of what's being explained there there there's a why behind the what you know so many people think that the bible is a rule book especially in the old testament but it's not it's a book on the the depth of relationship that god's people are supposed to have with him and so there's sabbath and with Sabbath, what we have is the opportunity to really spend as much time with God in his presence as possible, to have him with us as manifest presence. You know, there's there's the understanding of omnipresence mm -hmm. where we know that God is all around. He is creation. He's creator. He is he is everything that we want and need him to be. Uh, but what we also want and need him to be is with us at all times in us. You know, God in us is 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 the biggest piece of what I think Sabbath is now, yeah. and 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 to have Christ living in us is to make sure that we know above everything else that He is all we need, and that He is all that matters. We live in a society now where there's so much emotional and psychological obsolescence. Mm. Uh, translation: We just we, we FOMO the crap out of what our time with people and what our time with stuff mean is. Wow. And we do that to the point where we forsake what our time with God actually is supposed to look like. Wow. You know, and I don't want to joke people, but I do sometimes. And it's a Lord forgive me moment. But, you know, all those folks who, I mean, it's because, well, it's, it's just because it's, it's the irony of all ironies. I love, for the wrong reason, I just got to say it. 
uh, going on somebody's Instagram account and watching them take a picture of their Bible and their journal and their coffee from Cafe Stella. And then this long excerpt about, you know, oh my God, and the Lord is showing me this. And and it's okay to share that, but to a point, because that is your alone time with God. And I don't know about you, and I've been semi-guilty of it before, just joking around, taking a picture with my Bible and Lil Bear. But, um, you know, (laughs) with my time with God, that's that's my sacred space. Yeah. Don't nobody get my time with God but me. Yeah. You know, and and it's in that and, and the repetition that comes with it that gives me all the stuff that I am more than grateful to have and receive, the knowledge, the wisdom the wherewithal to withstand and to stand in the in, in these moments where it looks like there's no reason to stand where people are freaking out and they're overly anxious. Take a look at our nation. I'm sorry. Cause this, this is going to be a rant. Um, but there's so many individuals out there and in this divided world that we live in on both sides mm-hmm. who are counting on and depending on people and things to give them the solace and the peace that only God can provide for them. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God in the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Yeah. Will cover your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why would he give you a peace like that if you weren't going to go through things you, were gonna, you weren't going to understand? Right. And so now my other question is, where the heck else in this life do you think you're going to get that from? If we don't spend Shabbat, Sabbath, with God the way that we're supposed to and it reflects in all of these moments of anxiety mm-hmm. and we're asking other people to save us when Jesus reminded us in 1633 John 1633 that that victory's already been won take heart for I have overcome the world if he already said that knowing that the situations and the circumstances point in time were not the most kosher, the most savory. And also knowing that he was still alive and yet he was about to go to a cross and die a bloody death. Yeah. Like, why would we not, why wouldn't we we take that into account? Mm-hmm. We think that it's supposed to be some majestic rule of a superhero that's going to show up and just pew, 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 and just take care of everything for us. That's not how it works. We're going to have to endure some things. We've got some trials and some tribulations ahead of us. We have to be able to develop the, the spiritual energy, uh, the emotional intelligence, um, and, and just the wherewithal of understanding that God's word reminds us that we are to consider it pure joy when, when, when we are persecuted and we go through these trials, because that is really what develops the true and the tested believer in Jesus, you know, so. I can go into a little bit more of that, but it seems like you want to ask me something else. I'm going to shut well, up. Well, <laughs> I'm just... You know, I'm so glad that we're doing this and I just want to, you know, I was going to thank you at the end too, but I just want to thank you so much, JB, for doing this and being open and willing. Um, You know, I think so many people, I know for me, I am impacted by the words that you are speaking and I know so many other people who are going to listen to this are going to be impacted by what you're saying and you're just so beautifully transitioning into my next point so (laughs) I'm just in awe of that as well um you know we did it we rehearsed 13 times so I want to say a couple of points before I go into my next point um 
going back to the whole social media thing, you know, I think we really have to ask ourselves, we are so um, social media driven, you know, in this generation. And, you know, there's pros and cons to that. Uh, But I, I do agree that we have to ask ourselves, are we posting, you know, because we want people to know, oh, she's reading her Bible or, you know, <laughs> what, like, what is the purpose of you posting that, you know, are you posting it because you truly want to um, make an impact and share that wisdom with the people that you follow, or are you just posting it just to post and only you, the person, know your heart behind why you're doing it, right? right. And I think we're all um, guilty of kind of just like, oh, I'm going to post, you know, me reading the Bible because it's so cool, you know? <laughs> but I think truly, like you said, though, like, are we getting all of what we could get out of that moment with God? Mm-hmm. You know, like, are we posting that and then we're only spending five minutes? Like, granted, if you spend five minutes with God, that's that's still great. You know, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not taking away from whether you spend five minutes, an hour, or whatever. Uh, But I know for me, that's something that I've been trying to be super, super intentional about is when I am in the presence of God, when I am in the word, I am in the word and I am in the presence of God and nothing is going to shake that, you know? And I have found myself, even when you truly sit in the presence of God, there's just this overwhelming feeling that comes over you. And I know for me, you know, I'm emotional by nature, (laughs) but there's, I I feel like every time I've entered into the presence of God lately, I've just been in tears. And I think there's so much going on in the world. And, you know, I think that plays a part of it too, because my heart is just so, um, it's broken, but also it's just longing, like, God, what more can I do? You know? Mm -hmm. And when you read his word and when you dive into it, every time I pick it up, whether it's a verse that I've read 50 times, there's always something new that I get from his word. And I'm just reminded of his goodness. And, um, So I just, I love that. I love that, you know, again, challenging people, you know, what, how are you being intentional about your time with God? You know, be intentional about being in the presence of God because he's there, you know, he's waiting to speak to us. Mm -hmm. It's just how, how open are we going to be to hear him? Um, And so uh, one of the quotes that I loved, it says, we will not have renewed ministries until we have renewed leaders, which something that you kind of touched on too. But I loved that quote, you know, Uh, but segueing into conflict. So that latter half of, you know, kind of what you were talking about goes into conflict. You know, there's there's things that are going to happen in life um, that are going to be difficult. You know, there's going to be some challenges, you know, but conflict equals growth. Conflict helps shape leaders. Um, you know, conflict can reveal a lot about people. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, ugly. Oh, okay. uh, You know, oh, conflict leads to trusting in God and trusting in other people. Um, so with that, um, 
and again, you don't have to expand on it too, too much because I feel like you kind of touched on it. Um, but, you know, how have you had to handle conflict and kind of talk about the hardships and pain of conflict? And you could give specific examples. You don't have to, but just kind of talk about how you've had to navigate conflict and talk about, um, you know, obviously with conflict, you have to lean into God even more, I feel like, to help deal with people, you know, because people will be people and sometimes it's hard. So yeah. can you talk about how, you know, you've kind of had to deal with that and, you know, leading into God even more dealing with conflict? Um, I don't know how you want me to answer this question except to say how much trouble do you want me to get in? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah, conflict is, it's, it's, it's a natural part of life. Um, conflict and confrontation are necessary conflict and confrontation and I'm adding confrontation intentionally uh, because that is the issue of our current climate. Most folks don't know how to handle confrontation and they don't know the, the special art of addressing conflict except for what they've been taught. And that nowadays looks like uh, the keystrokes uh, that are the ninja stars of, of, of a keyboard ninja on Facebook or, or, or Instagram or something. And they just look to throw shots. Um, that's all fine and good. Uh, but to be honest with you, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, well, you know, let me just, let, let me, let me talk about me for like three seconds. That's perfectly fine. Uh, sticks and stones will break my bones that names, uh, and words will, will never hurt me. Um, you know, I, I recognized years ago the power of that statement and now it ain't biblical, but you know, there's, there's something to be said about the purpose and the intentionality behind hurtful words. And I really did my best to kind of look into that for me. And what I discovered was, um, and I, I can say this almost to a fault, which could be a bit of a problem, but I just don't care. When hurt people hurt people, that's the only way that they can usually do it. Um, and so when I hear somebody, you know, mess around and and say that, you know, what I'm saying is 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 the worst thing they've ever heard or that, you know, I suck at life or that I'm the antichrist or something like that, I I ask myself, what caused them to 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 say that to me? You know, what put them in a position to sit up here and try and belittle or or make me low in order to put themselves in a higher state you know um and and from there i just sometimes i deal with it i deal with it one-on-one -on -one with the person i try to pull them out to the side and have another conversation where we can really kind of open up our our minds and thoughts and really begin to address their insights and my insights and hopefully come to a place where we can find a place of agreement and even if we don't agree just understand we're not going to agree right. and actually that that's okay because in our society today, that's not okay for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but, uh, but really speaking to the understanding of, of conflict and how it shaped me, I appreciate the pain that I've received in conflict as well. Um, because what it's done is it's given me an opportunity to absorb a lot of the worst stuff that I'm ever really going to get from people that are going to be malicious towards me. 
And it's given me the opportunity to process it and say, hey, if that's the worst they can do, what else can they do? You know, and then just to, to remember the life of Jesus and say, hey, ain't nobody throwing me up on the cross no time soon. Right. I'm going to be all right. You know, it's just you, sometimes you got to take it to the, the most extreme point to recognize that it's really not that bad. Um, but, you know, not to not to drag it out. Um, I do think that one of the biggest pieces concerning conflict these days is we have to literally realize. And I say literally because when people read the Bible, they read it usually on a one or two dimensional level. They don't give themselves the opportunity to hit that third or fourth dimension where we can literally sit down and feel like we are at the last supper that we can smell, you know, the, the bread that we can smell the wine that we can really hear all the talking that's going on at the same time and realize that there was a lot of dysfunction yeah. or let's say it this way. There was a lot of conflict, you know, and that there's nothing new under the sun and we have to take a lesson from how they dealt with conflict back then. And then ask ourselves, are we dealing with it the same way now? Are we, in a, are we in that same day and time? No. It's a new day. It's a new environment. It's a lot different. But it doesn't change the fact that some of the rules and the regs that they used to make things work would probably still work if we use them now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but there are certain forces that don't want to see that happen. They want the division to, to continue. They want, they want to make sure that we still have all of these issues and so you know, I'm just, I'm at the point with myself where I'm at peace if somebody decides that that's the way that they want to approach things. And I can go on about my business, um, you know, because I understand that with God, I still love them, but I can love them from afar, you know. Um, but for those who are really willing to stick it out, you know, I think we talked about that a few episodes ago. Um, Proverbs 17, 17, you know, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity, not not necessarily just through, um, if you pay attention to the original language. So that doesn't necessarily mean that a brother is born for your hard, hard times. Sometimes that brother can be your hard time and y'all got to figure it out. And so, you know, conflict actually makes everybody stronger as iron sharpens iron. You know, Devin said that, you know, that means that there must be friction. <laughs> you got to rub up against one another a little bit. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it it might've, it might've stung a little bit. It might've hurt, but everybody's all the better for it in the end, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm hoping that you can, I hope that makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that just segues into our last point of commonplace, um, which is discovering that the ordinary is extraordinary and pretty much just talking about um, God using the common everyday pieces of life to shape the leader, which I feel like we've talked about um, and we've seen that through the conversation um, and as a whole. Uh, and w- another point is when God is honored in the small decisions that the leader is faced with daily, the heart is shaped so that the leader is ready for the bigger issues when they appear. I think that, again, just ties into conflict. You know, we talk about the small details and pouring into other people and, um, you know, pouring into ourselves and all of those little things that happen. I think sometimes we can forget, 
you know, to appreciate the little things, the smaller decisions that you have to face as a leader, but it ultimately helps you um, for the bigger decisions, whether that's conflict or not, you know, because, you know, some bigger decisions may not necessarily result in conflict, Mm -hmm. right? But um, it still helps prepare for those bigger um, decisions. So as my last question, um, what are some examples of like small decisions that you have made? If you could think of an instance where you're like, man, that was a small decision that I made, but you see how it correlated with a bigger decision that you had to make later on in life. Hmm. Really just popped into the microphone. Um, (laughs) There's a lot. Oh, there's so much. Oh, there's so much. Um, Okay, got you. First Samuel 17. Uh, or probably 16, 16, 17, somewhere in there. Um, you know, David has just been anointed to be the king. And then right after that, he goes back into the field um, and continues to tend to the sheep and be the shepherd. Um, a little ways later, he receives orders and instruction from his father, Jesse, uh, to take, uh, what was it like, his loaf of bread and and this other stuff down to his brothers and then these 10 cuts of cheese. I don't know why I just remember, always remember 10 cuts of cheese. <laughs> there you go. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Um, yep. And take them down to the battlefield. Um, and I mean, we can stop right there. Uh, that little command from his father ended up leading him into the most giant moment, pun intended, of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's always stuck with me. Uh, you know, it's, it's the obedience and the little commands the father gives that always lead you to your giant moments. And so for me, it's, it's been the willingness to commit myself to rote motion. Um, you know, road is just routine stuff. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, it drives me up a wall because I'm not one of those people, but I, I realize how necessary it is for me to continue to commit myself to stuff like that. And I mean, it can be as simple as saying, read your Bible, you know, um, you know, study it, uh, take the time, sit down, pray, you know, um, and, and do these things with multiplicity. Um, I'm amazed at what happens when, I read a chapter over and over and over and over again, how God continues to illuminate that chapter to me. And it's not like I'm looking for anything specifically, you know, um, but all of a sudden I get it. I get it. And then I get it. And then I get it some more, you know, and um, I can say that that's helped me uh, in in my process of, of applying the Bible. Application is always big, obviously. Uh, but I know it, to answer the question for you specifically, um, when it comes to leadership, it is just being the ability to do the same thing and make sure that I do it to the best of my ability, to never slack when I do it, uh, to not be tired, even when I am tired, um, and to make sure that I get it done. And also to understand that I'm going to make mistakes. 
and that I cannot tax myself for those mistakes. I simply learn from them and do my best to make sure that I I, I correct that and do a better job next time. Um, Paying attention to those two things has literally been the, the difference maker between me and the mindset that I had when I was running around and just kind of living on the street and not really having a clue what I was doing and me now leading an organization, running a podcast, teaching classes, um, and doing all these things that bring me a lot of joy, but also bring me a lot of responsibility and occupy a lot of my time. If I didn't do them, I guarantee you that all of this would fall by the wayside in 2.3 seconds flat. Yeah. And all again, because I recognize that those little things that I commit myself to embody a big part of my Shabbat, a big part of my time with God, um, a big part of me making sure that I stay in his presence because in his presence is where I can realize that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Whether I have little or I have much, you yeah. know, whether I know it all or I, or I know nothing, you know, all of those things are encompassed in this one piece. And so for me, that is my commonplace because I do a lot of normal, mundane routine, boring. Let me say that one, one time. Um, you know, everybody thinks that serving God is, is exciting. You know, I'm, I'm going through, um, Exodus and Deuteronomy right now. And it is amazing how many times you can see the same words over and over (laughs) again, blue, purple, scarlet, acacia wood, gold, silver, bronze, goat hair. I was like, how many times am I going to see this? (laughs) <laughs> but in order to build that tabernacle, that's what they did. And it was just, it was, it was their commitment to the repetitive nature of what it was going to take to, to build that, that altar, build that temple, build the tabernacle. And then also just the rituals, everything was ritual and it was boring, but guess what? It's what brought the Lord's presence. Yeah. And it was beautiful to see. So, you know, I would, I would just encourage anybody, those small, tiny things that you hate Sadat going much, that you don't want to take part in because you think they're born and they're not going to do anything to enhance your life. That's probably exactly what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I just want to say thank you so much again, JB, for pouring into me, pouring into other people. Um, you know, you are just adding jewels to your crown um, I'm honored to call you friend. Um, and again, just thank you for this. Um, again, this book, A Work of Heart, Understanding How God Shapes Spiritual Leaders by Reggie McNeil. Highly suggest this book. It was definitely challenging for me um, and definitely something that I will be reading again. You know, it's one of those books that you read it through and then you're like, whoa. <laughs> There was a lot in there, you know, and I mean good stuff in there. Um, And so I'm definitely going to be going back and reading it, just picking it apart even more because I think there's a lot of um, profound um, things that were said in this book. So highly suggest it um, if you like to read. And again, thanks. Thanks, JB. Appreciate it. If you like to read, yes. (laughs) Good job, girl. There you go. <laughs> and thank you. I appreciate this again. You know, I, yeah. I, 
I honor your relationship. You're you're crazy. You're a great. You're an amazing girl. You're ridiculous. Um, but you know, know. yeah, yeah. Love you still. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, thank indeed. you. I wanted it to be a little bit shorter, but you know, that conversation was great. I, I'm gonna get a lot out of it, so I knew it wouldn't be a problem. But whenever you get a chance. that slender metallic water bottle thing she has with all the stickers on it yeah like the one we got popped for christmas okay <laughs> do you want me to start over do you want the uh, and the, the pot i mean we can we can splice this off it's fine i don't uh, we don't have to start over i mean if you want if you feel like you need to start over start over for the sake of your material then please do um no i mean i was more so for the podcast sake of it because i mean he's not going to hear the recording he's just oh, going to see my presentation yeah no this this is going to be this hilarious. is fine yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> um anyway so <laughs> this is going to go on the end of the podcast oh boy all right so i'm just going to start over because yeah i feel um, like that's necessary <laughs> all right so